Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Victory Monday. Well, kinda. Let's be honest. The Jaguar showing, yeah, not so good. Pretty embarrassing against the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll be honest with you, I thought that was going to be the big story topic of today. But then all of a sudden, the New York Jets, against all odds, against all circumstances, in Los Angeles, pull out the upset of all upsets. And now all of a sudden, the narr- their narrative has changed here in Jacksonville. Now, before we get into this whole thing, I got to say a couple things. Number one. If there's going to be a draft party this year and the Jaguars have the number one pick, if you're a Jaguars fan and you're cheering for Trevor Lawrence, when you're at that draft party, you be better copy that movie Fight Club. Remember when Fight Club, when the dude passed away, is like his name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. When the Jaguars get Trevor Lawrence, you better start repeating his name was Frank Gore. His name was Frank Gore. And you better start saying his name was Braden Mann. His name was Braden Mann. By the way, Braden Mann's the punter for the Jets, in case you didn't know that. Because I, I didn't know him. it. I had to Google it last night. So that's what I'm saying, number oh, Marcus one. Marcus May. Marcus May as well. Number two, it's, it's the festive season. It's the season of giving. If you feel so inclined, and let's be honest, the Jaguars don't have it wrapped up quite yet, but it's looking good. Confidence is a boosting. But if you feel it in your heart, Check out what charities Frank Gore, you know, works for. Check out what charity. I'm not sure if a punter even has a charity, but if Braden Mann has a charity, check his charity out as well, man. Maybe give a little, uh, you know, give a little some of those charities. Say thanks for the good work. Well, we just put him in the pride of the Jaguars. We're doing that tonight on the TV side, oh, so uh, we'll have the induction ceremony. I like it uh, coming up tonight, at least for now. But it might have to de- delay it two weeks. Brad Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. I don't know if we've had this kind of excitement. On a Sunday, Monday, since the Jets win in 2018 and the Jaguars were 3-1. and one. Yeah. You know, maybe the Minshew stuff of, of Denver and, and kind of at the end is like, oh, we might be onto something. It was a little Minshew mania at the time. And then, you know, he'd won the Thursday night game and then he goes and wins in the last minute. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to overlook that. But, I mean, there's a palpable level of excitement in the city. Yeah. Today, everywhere you go, social media, of course, I mean, not that people are all over the place, but like people are talking about it. You can feel it. And while some of it, I think, um, might be a little bit silly and <laughs> overdone um, and, and maybe we're, we're to blame, too. Uh, but I do think there's a serious nature to we could look back on December 20th, 2020 <laughs> someday down the road. And, and, and that's the lucky break the Jags got and needed. All, all organizations need to get lucky. Mm. You have to. I mean, you have to get the right pick. You have to. You have to somehow get aligned correctly. You have to. Um, you have to have the ball bounce your way, even in a good season. You know, the Chiefs are very good, but they still have to get lucky here and there. And so, uh, you know, we just did it last week, right? It was the Saints that were interested in in Patrick Mahomes too. What if they had jumped up and got him ahead of of the Chiefs? Would the Chiefs be doing what they're doing the last couple of years? So, uh, I think everybody's getting lucky, and and I think this this is an organization. I looked today. Here's how unlucky the organization has been. You know, they obviously beat Indianapolis, and, and, and Andrew Luck goes to the Colts, so he goes in that division. Yeah. But in 2013, when the Jags tried to reset this thing, they 
tried to – they had no quarterbacks to take. Do you know there wasn't a quarterback – the only quarterback picked in that first round was E.J. Manuel, 16 <sighs> overall. 16 overall. So draft. when they had like a second pick in the draft in 2013, they couldn't even pick a quarterback. Like there was no quarterback to take and to start over with. So instead they go after the left tackle and Luke Jokel doesn't work out. Well, 2014, if you really look at it like this, you wonder why they reached for Bortles because there wasn't a lot to go after then either. Hmm. Bortles was the only quarterback taken in the top 20 in 2014. That was year two of Dave Caldwell. And as you look back at it, you're like, well, that means 52 picks had gone by in the first round. And E.J. Manuel and Blake Bortles were the two picks. When the Jaguars had the number two and number three pick, when they were in line to get a quarterback, that's what they had. And then the following year, you get the Winston and Mariota. And I know we can debate whether that worked out or not, but they were better than probably. They would have given this kind of hope at least, right, if oh, you yeah, had picked yeah, them. Yeah. Well, the Jags have the third pick that year instead of the second pick, so they yeah. can't get one of those guys. So if you look back and, and just look at the luck of it, Mm-hmm. Well, the Jags have been unlucky, so I think we're going to look back at this day, potentially, and we'll see what happens the next two weeks and all that stuff. There's a lot to get into regarding that, but this seriously could be a monumental moment for the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, and if you really want to project out and dream big and all this other stuff, I mean, the, the floor for Trevor Lawrence doesn't look very low. I guess yeah. that's the thing. I don't know how good he's going to be, but if Trevor Lawrence ends up in Jacksonville, I'm pretty convinced from the pundits that he's not going to be awful. Like, mm-hmm. he's not Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf. He doesn't, people are too good at evaluating now, and there are too many good quarterbacks. I've said that before on the show. There's... And I think he is not going to be awful. By the way, I still don't feel Justin Fields is going to be an awful NFL quarterback. I know he was shaky again this weekend, but I don't have that feel. I think he's going to be pretty good, but I think the gap is certainly pretty large between the two. So, well, okay. I think yeah. if you dream big with the Jags, I mean, if you do get this guy, he becomes the face of your city, the face of the franchise. He's probably a pretty good quarterback at worst. Mm-hmm. And you also get all this stuff going on now for the next five or ten years, potentially winning, potentially downtown, potentially stadium. And there's less friction about all that stuff if people feel good about it. So there's a lot that could go down, and that's why this is a significant 24-hour period right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, listen, it's huge because, once again, like – I wasn't fully on board with Justin Fields. I've said that before. Yeah, you have. Um, I was, by the way. Yeah, no, you know for sure. And you know, like I, I get this sense that with draft experts out there, and everybody like it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then it's everybody else. Now maybe Zach Wilson can close that gap. I'm not sure about Trey Lance because the resume doesn't say so much. His you know his last year North Dakota yeah, incomplete, State incomplete. Right? Exactly, basically. But like there's you know there's one and two. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I had my doubts about Fields. I have zero doubts about Trevor Lawrence. And listen, I don't need Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay to sit here and tell me how good Trevor Lawrence is. I can see it with my own eyes. I saw it in the National Championship games, right? I mean, I saw it when he won one. Okay, so I've seen the guy on the biggest stage um, come up big for this team. And I've seen a guy who hasn't lost too many games, who's kind of a natural-born winner. Exactly. So with that being said, I like that a lot. So... If everything remains how it's going to remain and and Trevor Lawrence comes to Jacksonville, you're talking about you couldn't pick a better scenario to restart a franchise, um, you know, to rebuild a brand, if you will, than Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, it is perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Could be big and, and it could be the break uh, Jacksonville needs. Now, there's stuff that still has to happen, of course, and and we're going to get into that. I'm not going to do that right this moment, but we'll get into it because you've got some blowback again today, uh, which I appreciate. Doug good, Marone, man. I thought, was um, really good today. Doug Marone, I, again, I, I give Doug a lot of credit. 
especially on this time. I might have gained more respect for him today answering questions. I had respect for him anyway. He's been very good with the media. But I might have gained more respect for him today. Today would have been a day would be like, shut the hell up. You know, <laughs> and and he and he didn't. And so we'll hear from Doug and what he had to say when asked about these scenarios in this situation. And, you know, you can shed some great light on it from a player's perspective. Uh, and, and I do think there's a little bit um, I know people are giving you a little bit because you, you retweeted. I think it was was it Friday show or was it? Yeah, it was Friday. It was Friday show, yeah. and and so you well, you talked about players in the locker room and yeah. wanting to win and the culture of that, and yeah, that's yeah. all they care about is winning. And by the way, if if you don't believe that, all you got to do is look at the Jets yesterday. Yeah, the Jets wanted to win that game. I mean, the Jet like everybody believes it. We're not that. We know people. Players don't tank. We know players are trying to win. We know it's their livelihood. We know they're competitive. I, I think if you look in the mirror and ask yourself, you can separate that from what is good for this franchise going forward, and. I think we also know what's good for the franchise. Going for, good for the franchise is being two and fourteen or three and thirteen means nothing. It mm-hmm. means absolutely nothing to go two and fourteen or three and thirteen. It does. It means something for that team to feel good for a Sunday and into a Monday, and that's it. But it means nothing else. So that's the reality, and so that's why you have this little bit of a disconnect between hey, these are the way players feels and, and feel, and this is the way um, everybody outside the building feels. Well, right now. listen, and if the Jets accomplished, I mean, they accomplished a bunch of stuff yesterday, but if they accomplished one big thing. It goes to show you that how questionable the play calling of Greg Williams is then, right? Because now it's official. The Jets weren't trying to go, you know, the whole season not winning a game, Yeah. right? Like, they're trying to play to win like every single team in the NFL is trying to play to win. So it just goes to show you with Greg Williams, man, why you have that man coverage with no help in the backfield, I'll never understand. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was on board something nobody else was on board <laughs> is, is all I can imagine. But how shocked are you? Really, how shocked? Because I'm stunned that oh, the yeah. Jets won that game. Like, if you wanted to give me the New England scenario, I'd buy into it a little bit. Hey, uh, Bill Belichick doesn't want him in the division. You know, that's been floated about, and, and they have nothing to play for. They're out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They can whatever it is. If you want to give me that fun scenario, I'll, I'll stake claim to that. Like, I'm okay with that. But now you better. You, you might have to do the same thing with like Indianapolis later this year. Depend on what happens next week. Yeah, <laughs> Although yeah. Indianapolis has something to play for, but. Um, I just am stunned that they beat the Rams. I mean, the Rams were cooking, man. I mean, mm-hmm. this offense for the Jets has been atrocious. That Rams defense has been very good. The Rams, con- I mean, the Jets controlled a lot of that game. Donald played a heck of a football game. Mm-hmm. They controlled the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, even with Aaron Donald. And they got a couple of breaks on holding calls late in the game, but they also made some plays. Yeah, I mean, listen, that performance yesterday by the Jets, number one, Sam Donald wants to keep his job, obviously. Yeah, right? good for like, him. He, he should. He's not ready to hand the reins over to Trevor Lawrence, so props to him. Listen, it was that team came out fried and ready to go, right? And that's that's the beauty of football, right? Where I'll be honest, if I had the chance to bet on that game, I'm talking straight up, I would have put the mortgage, the my son's tuition, everything on the Rams because, like you said, like they're peaking at the right time right now. They're looking like a playoff contender, and the Jets are the Jets. Jets just lost forty to three. Exactly. But sometimes, and I, I talk about this actually in my three observations video, right? Where. You know what kind of team you have. You know what kind of veteran leadership you have. And let's be honest. I know the Jets aren't a lot of things, but I do think they have some veteran leadership in that locker room spearheaded by Frank Gore. Yeah. Right? So it goes to tell you something. When you get absolutely curb stomped, blowed out, Pier 6 brawled by the New Seattle Seahawks, and the next week you go to L.A. and you do your thing. Right? Like, to me, no matter what was going to happen in that game, Frank Gore was not going to go a season where he didn't win a game. Now, keep in mind, Frank Gore has played a lot of football. He's been in a lot of locker rooms. 
Maybe probably, I'm sure he has a record for most hours spent in a locker room, man, because it feels like he's on season 25 right now. You know what I'm saying? So he wasn't going to go out like that. And he even said this in interviews, you know, weeks and weeks prior. So it goes to show you the power of veteran leadership and the power of coming together when all the, you know, basically the chips are stacked against you. Yeah, it was an amazing win. I mean, and, and now it's like, here's the thing. We can talk all we want about the Jags and, and the situation they're in. And we're going to, by the way, what goes on the next couple of weeks. And, and and believe me, everybody's going to be well, not everybody, but every, most people will be rooting for the Jag against the Jags. Oh yeah, and it's okay, like mm-hmm. it's okay. Endure two more Sundays, and bam, that's it. All right. So, but if I were to ask you right now, because I know how you feel about this stuff in terms of the players in the locker room and and rooting against the Jag, all that stuff, I get it, and, yeah. and I appreciate that. By the way, I respect that. I, we've had enough of these discussions to to do that. Um, but if I ask you right now and I said, hey, Austin, the season's over. Yeah, it's it's they're one in thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How fired up would you be mm-hmm. right now that the Jags have assumed that number one pick? And by the way, in this scenario, they would have done it on the final Sunday of the season. But yeah. <laughs> they've assumed the number one pick. I mean, can From, you? What my so my question to you is, like, I can appreciate the fact that obviously players are trying to win. Players are correct. blocking that stuff out. Yeah. Uh, I even say to the point where, listen, I bet if you lined up the fifty-three players on this active roster. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, um, Taven Bryan, hey, Gardner Minshew, hey, uh, DJ Chark, hey, Josh Jones, what was the score of the game yesterday? And I guarantee you half of them wouldn't know the actual score of the game. And I don't mean that as a knock. What I'm trying to say is they know they lost. Oh, yeah. There are so many guys I've interviewed. Paul Puzlosny well, included. Yeah. That have said, I don't even, uh, oh, what was the score of that one? Like, did we win last week? Who but, are we playing next week? My <laughs> sure. point being, that's how the kind of blinders they have. Mm-hmm. They know they walked off the field and they lost. Yeah. They don't know, well, they don't remember if it was 33 to 14 or 40 to 7 or 40. Well, well, yeah, but listen, there's a difference between close games, losing a game in overtime or like, you know, the last possession and then getting blown out by the Baltimore Ravens. Like, there is a difference there. Yeah. And, and depending what happens, those can stick with you differently. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying the actuals, like the details of it all. Mm-hmm. It, just to ex- put an example on for everybody out there, like this is how much they have blinders on mm-hmm. in the locker room. Like this is how much they, like they did think so different than us. So you, yeah. the 24 hour rule, all that stuff is real yep. in your world, in yeah. that world. Mm-hmm. But I guess now that you're outside that world, yeah. how much of an and you've been around Jacksonville a while. And this is where it hits for me. It's not like, oh, my gosh, I need Trevor Lawrence here. I'm a big Clemson fan, big Trevor Lawrence fan. To me, where it hits home is my kid has now grown up as a Jags fan, yeah. right? We bought season tickets because the family goes. We've covered 11 out of 12 losing seasons. It's getting old. Like, there's not a lot of hope to grab onto. How much appreciation, I guess, now that you've been around this thing, you've yeah. felt kind of the, oh, my gosh, here we go again, that now this franchise, this fan base has something to cling to potentially in two weeks that has never been there before in the history of this franchise. No, listen, uh, from from the fans' perspective, I'm excited. From my son's perspective, I'm excited for him because right now all my son knows is losing. Right, like every single weekend where we watch the games together, and he goes, are the Jaguars losing again? I'm like, yeah, bud. And like every once in a while he'll go, if the Packers win today, I'm like... Yeah, they did. All right, but we're not gonna, we're not we're not Packers fans in this house. Okay, so like, go and put your you know your teal jersey back on, and it's gonna be okay. So I'm excited for him. Like, I understand what this pick could do for the city. So yeah, if I'm a fan right now, you better believe I'm ecstatic. And if I'm a fan right now, I probably am rooting for this team to lose the next two games. Simple as that. I mean, I trust me, I understand it completely. But I also get the fact that. Am I excited to change the culture around? Absolutely. Am I excited to to rebrand, to rebuild? You better believe it. But it's more than one guy. 
Okay, like, yes, Trevor Lawrence, he is the most most important piece. You saw what Patrick Mahomes can do for a team, right? We've seen what Tom Brady can obviously do for a team. Like, quarterbacks are the difference makers. If you have a great quarterback, nine times out of ten, you're going to have at least a decent team. So I'm excited for that. But I also, I also know the how rosters work and how teams work where it's going to take a lot more than Trevor Lawrence. It's going to take the head coach. It's going to take the proper GM to draft well in this up-and-coming draft. It's going to take a lot more pieces, a lot more cogs to make this machine run. But I'm excited that if you do get Trevor Lawrence, that is the engine that can get everything to go. Yeah, it's a, and listen, the, all you have to do is look to the AFC South to know that. You don't even have to look at Mahomes right now. But mm-hmm. if you look, uh, you look at Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and mm-hmm. in their careers, what they hid because they were so good, mm-hmm. right? Whether it was a bad offensive line, not enough weapons on the outside, a defense that the Jags would run for 200 yards against, you know, whatever it might be, those quarterbacks hide stuff because you're not going to build the perfect team and sustain that for a long time. But if you can't have the quarterback, and this is something this franchise has never had, and that's why it's so important, and they've never been in this kind of position, that if you have that quarterback, they hide a lot of things. And Patrick Mahomes is hiding things. Russell Wilson is hiding warts that we don't even know exist for the Seattle Seahawks and for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Internally, but, they know it exists. Yeah, but externally, to, they don't. I mean, he he hit a poor defense early on in his career, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, did. for sure. And but with Russ Wilson, keep in mind though too, like he is the man now. Like, he's the highest paid quarterback for a reason. And some of those deficiencies that the Seattle Seahawks have on defense right now, he hides those very well. But with Russell Wilson though, he came into a fantastic situation. Who is to say if Russ Wilson goes someplace else in that draft, he doesn't pan out like he is right now? We have no way of telling. But I'm just saying when Russell Wilson came in, they made made sure that he had a good you know, team around him. Not to say Trevor Lawrence might not have that, because let's be honest, in terms of wide receivers right now, in terms of offensive line, in terms of running back, you like what you see, right? Like, there's worse offensive lines right now. There's worse, uh, you know, wide receiving cores in the NFL. I mean, maybe you need a tight end here. Sup, Kyle Pitts? Holler at me. But besides that, you like what you see. So I'm not saying, like, if Trevor Lawrence comes to Jacksonville, well, we got it. No, I mean... I think it's all set for a decent to great quarterback to come in and turn this thing around. I think Trevor Lawrence can be that guy. Are we in love with Trevor Lawrence or are we in love with the idea of Trevor Lawrence? (laughs) And I I wonder that. I seriously do. Like, why are we so enamored with this quarterback? What has he done? Is he really that special? I mean, you know, I saw a picture of him at the beach. He just looks like a guy with long hair going to surf. Yeah, yeah, You know? I mean, it's not like he's some physical DK Metcalf looking guy at the quarterback position. Cam Newton looking guy. Why are we so enamored? Or is it just the idea? Plus, the chances of the Jaguars winning any of these last two games. What are the chances? I mean, do they have a legitimate chance now that they've gone through this rigorous part of their schedule where they just got blown out by the Titans and blown out by the Ravens? And this was the part of the schedule where you would have said, hey, I think they might have a chance to beat Chicago. Look out. Whether you were rooting against them or for them, they might have a chance to beat Chicago. But could they beat this kind of Chicago team? Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about those things. And listen, we might only we got, we got three days to talk this week before the Christmas holiday. The Jags may screw this all up by Sunday. Mm. We're going to have fun with it, mm-hmm. all right? We're going to have fun with it while we can, and hopefully we can have fun with it for the next few months. But you just never know. Look at what the Jets did. Nobody would have given it. We've seen two things happen in the last couple of weeks. LSU beat the Florida Gators, and the Jets beat the Rams. Like, that's sports. Yeah. And so if you don't think the Jags have a chance to win out here on Sunday, well, then you're fooling yourself. But I also don't think you should panic about it. We're going to take a break. We come back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We talk about the Jags' chances to win. And seriously, why 
Why are we all out of our minds today, quite frankly, over Trevor Lawrence? Is he that good? Is he really that good of a quarterback? And will he be in the NFL? We discuss it on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. I'm not the guy that likes to, like, be overdramatic. Austin Lane. Well, you, you're almost by. in tears yesterday. I was. So. Well, that was a little different. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, I mean, no one's advised me, you know, saying anything different than to go out there and win. I understand you know, I guess from a standpoint of, I mean, I was young growing up and had a favorite team and, you know, was excited to see where they were going to pick. So it's not something, you know, Mike, that I don't, that I look back and I understand, but I mean, Jesus, I mean, we, we, we're trying, we're trying to win. I mean, we're doing everything we possibly can. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm, that's my job right now. And I owe it to the coaches and players. None of us are going to, you know, look at this and, in the future. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Never mind, you know, saying at the end of the year, but I do understand the question and appreciate it. It's probably better. That's a better question maybe for, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> probably a better question for shot. God is, I think is what he was going to yeah, say. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what is, what do you think shot doing? Right, like literally right now? Like not doing. He's probably on a business call or something. I don't He's know, definitely but. in a meeting. Yeah, but I think so. I, I mean, the holidays, yeah. What do you think his. If you were the owner of the football team, wouldn't you be excited right now? You've had a miserable run. Yeah. It's been an awful year. Mm-hmm. Again, I think he really wouldn't mind a Sunday to, to smile about. Listen, I've been there before with these, these kind of seasons. Like mm-hmm. people have wanted to lose even over like. Three and thirteen versus four and twelve. He said, "Don't hurt our draft position." And I've never really felt that way. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, I know, remember back in two thousand twelve, I, I went through that. I've never felt like, all right, whatever, whatever happens, happens. You know, yeah. This has a different feel when you have the chance to be the number one overall pick. Uh, it does have a different feel, and so again, I, I've told you this. I've been very honest about this part of it. I think one of the reasons why. I I am like all about this mm-hmm. is because we are so detached covering the football team. We're doing Zoom calls. Like yesterday, they brought out one player after the loss, Gardner Minshew, who by the way didn't wear a headband again. Oof, that's two weeks in a row. I mean, he's in his own head. I guess so. He's yeah, in his own yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we don't know <laughs> these players. But it's not to say like, listen, I talked to Cam Robinson, Juwan Taylor last week for a story we were doing. So we talked to him on Zoom. We know those guys, but we have no idea about so many of these guys. And when you know the players and you're in there and you feel like it's like a like a funeral every week because they put so much into it and lose, mm-hmm. you're almost like, man, yeah, I wouldn't mind be seeing these guys, mm-hmm. you know, have some fun for a week. You know, they're, they, get, they play a violent game, put mm-hmm. their bodies on the line. It can't be fun. It, you know, you like you, you feel for them that it would be nice to get a win, mm-hmm. you know. But I think because we're so detached this year, it's like, I don't care about that. <laughs> like, I just don't. Like, I, yeah. I don't I don't sense that. I don't feel that. I feel more for the fans and the organization and, quite frankly, selfishly us. We have nothing to talk. If we were coming in talking about that game yesterday, what the heck would we talk about? They gave us nothing to talk about. <laughs> like, there was nothing to talk about. They they stunk. They were out man. They were out matched. So there was nothing to talk about yesterday's you know, game. You don't think Rosas should at least deserve a top ten nominee for that punt? <laughs> that was pretty good. It's fantastic. That was beautiful. Good. The wallet says it all. Check it out Thursday. Oh, I could be here Thursday. Maybe Wednesday. <laughs> wallet says it all. We're going to a punter. That was a heck of a play. That's all we had. But I mean, so you get my point, right? I mean, I, I'm. We have. Uh, 
I, I don't know if we're being over the top about this stuff I, I, from even a media standpoint, but I just you feel the fans. I mean, you got to try something different. You want this thing to turn. I mean, it, I want it to turn just to cover stuff. There, there's nothing in it for me. I'm gonna make the. I'm gonna have the same paycheck. Okay, whether the Jags win or lose. Now, well, tell you what, we, we might, so better might, get a Trevor Lawrence bump. <laughs> yeah, we so better get a Trevor could. Lawrence bump. I, we could be here longer covering. Better be Kyler Murray <laughs> territory pretty soon. But so you feel all that stuff that's so different. So maybe that detachment uh, certainly helps. Well, Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned it. Freshman, you saw him win the national title and all that. You know, he, oh, I, I think he's thirty-four and one, maybe thirty-five and one. Now I think it's thirty-four and one in his career. I mean, mm-hmm. as a starting quarterback in college, the guy knows how to win. So I guess I ask this question. People say he's the he's a can't miss guy, the biggest can't miss guy since Andrew Luck. That's that's kind of the cliche around Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Why is he so good? Is he so good? Is he really this good? Or are we just, again, enamored with the idea that this guy has been put on a pedestal since the moment he walked on Clemson's campus, started winning games, then wins a national title? And it didn't matter what he did his sophomore year, his junior year, whatever else. But he was always going to be, I can't wait till this guy gets to the NFL. And here we are. We're almost there. He's almost getting to the NFL. And guess whose lap he's going to land in potentially. Are we more enamored with that whole concept? Or is this guy really the real deal? Listen, I can only speak from, I guess, how I evaluate quarterback talent. This isn't my resume to be a gym or anything like that. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. Like, for instance, I can break down hours and hours of film of a defensive lineman, and I can show you why he's good here, why he's bad there, yada, yada, yada. With a quarterback, it's a little different, all right? I played quarterback for about a month in uh, in middle school. I couldn't handle the counter and the crossbuck, so we were, we're a crossbuck team. You know what a crossbuck is? Kind of like It's kind of like the... It's complicated, man. It's kind of like what uh, Navy used to run. Okay. So I, I couldn't handle the crossbook. Am I going right or left first? Couldn't handle it, man. Put me at running back, all right? Too much information going through my head in middle school at the quarterback position, right? So I don't understand the psychology. I don't necessarily understand what's the best throw, good footwork, arm angle, shoulder pointing. I don't understand all that stuff. All I can go off of from the teams that I played on, though, and the quarterbacks that stood out to me, and keep in mind, I didn't play with a lot of great quarterbacks. I'd probably say Matthew Stafford or Alex Smith were probably the best ones that I played with. But with that being said, what I look for out of a college quarterback trying to make that transition to the next level is how is he on the biggest stage and how are his leadership skills. So when I watched Clemson um, back in 2019, it would have been, Take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. And by the way, I didn't make any bets, but I had Alabama winning big that game. Mm-hmm. I thought their defense was just too good. They were too talented. Like I thought for sure Alabama was going to curb stomp Trevor Lawrence. And I distinctly remember a conversation that I was having with my friend where I was just like, dude, Trevor Lawrence is too young. Like this is like, I get it. He's a good quarterback, but not on this stage. Not, not on the national championship stage. He's going to see what a real team does against him, and it's going to be ugly. Well, what did Trevor Lawrence do? Trevor Lawrence shut me up real quick. 350 yards passing, three touchdowns, enough said. So from that moment on, I've been a Trevor Lawrence fan because I've seen that guy compete, lead his team, motivate his team, bring energy to his team against the best team in the country on the biggest stage. That's what I need from a quarterback. Here's the thing I like about Trevor Lawrence a lot. Uh, and again, I, I guess he can make all the throws. He's got a good arm. He's your, your, it's funny. He feels like your prototypical guy, but he ran for 90 yards the other day. And, yeah. and so he's got movement. Like he fits today's perfect quarterback. He kind of blends both worlds mm-hmm. of yesteryear would just sit in the pocket and really chuck it all around the yard or, 
can move around the pocket and, and get out of there and, and create some space with his legs, too, which I think you need that today. I mean, we, we that's been trending since 2013, and here we are, and it's trending more than it ever has in the NFL. I mean, if you can't run for 50 yards in a game, I don't know if I want you as my quarterback. Yeah. You know, really, that's what it is. I mean, Jalen Hurts did it again. You know, threw for what, almost 300, but he ran for 55. You don't necessarily have to be Lamar Jackson and run for buck 20, mm-hmm. but you do have to be able to be a threat in that aspect of the game. And so he is. But he also exemplifies, in my opinion, again, as a guy who doesn't scout this stuff, just a guy who can make throws and, and sit there and chuck it. Yeah. But I, I really like two things about Trevor Lawrence that I don't think gets spoken about enough, but we've had bad experiences here in Jacksonville. When, when Blaine Gabbert came out, mm-hmm. one of the big questions about Gabbert and one of the reasons they wanted to sit him is because he had hardly played. He had played a year. That was it. He was so raw, so green. He was 21. He had hardly played games at the collegiate level. Heck, if you went back to high school, he probably had hardly played games. Yeah. And so Blake Bortles was the same thing. He had played more in college, but there was there was this acknowledgement of how green he was, how raw he was about the quarterback position. He was just an athlete playing the position, and they got shoved into it. So you've heard me talk about that before. Those were wrong decisions to play them. But my point with Trevor Lawrence is this a guy who's played three years of college football and he's played 39 football games at college level Mm -hmm. and he's played at the top level and he's played in some of these big games. But the fact that he's played 39 football games, I think, is a big thing. I like that. You're going to get a guy who can come in here and play because he's seen a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the country has tried to stop Clemson, has tried to beat Clemson. They have the biggest target on that. There's another part that I like. Because this guy was ballyhooed coming out of Georgia anyway and going to Clemson, and then he raised the stakes and the attention because he won the national championship uh, in in year one, Mm -hmm. I think this guy can handle everything. I don't have concerns about him being the number one pick, about Jacksonville putting their arms around him thinking that he's the savior of the franchise. That all this attention that he's going to get over the next few months, I think he can handle it. He's been in this spotlight before. And I'll add one more note to that is that I think and I I did this with Justin Fields, too. I think the leadership that these two guys showed Fields and Lawrence when they didn't need to in this COVID-19 world and they tried to get everybody to play and and they were big reasons Mm -hmm. why they showed this leadership quality to me that again, they didn't have to take that role. They were fine. (laughs) They could have, in fact, you can make the case. Justin Fields might've hurt himself for coming back for these six games. I mean, he might've hurt his draft stock a little bit, but he wanted to, he took control of that. He, it was almost like they formed their own union to get (laughs) back on the field amongst, amidst uh, college players. And I think Lawrence was vocal in that. I think he was heavy in that. I think Fields was. So I like those kind of qualities. You can give me all the football stuff, and I know it checks the boxes, but I like the fact that he's experienced. He'll handle the spotlight. I think he can handle it, good and bad. And I also think he's a leader, and and that's what this franchise needs. They need a face of the franchise and a guy that, hey, I can wear all this. Put it all on my shoulders. I can do it. And I think Trevor Lawrence has proved that he can. No, without a doubt. And like I said, to me, he just he has that pedigree. Like, he knows how to win. He knows how to be a leader. And most importantly, he knows how to earn the respect of those guys in that locker room. And, and, like, listen, sometimes the way this whole thing works in the NFL, where it's not the strongest arm, sometimes it's not the most accurate arm. Sometimes it's not the most, you know, the, the guy that makes the best decisions. It's the guy that, to me, is fearless and wanting to win. At all costs, he knows what it takes to win and rally the guys around him. That's why I was so big on Justin Herbert coming out, right? Because I'll be honest with you, Justin Herbert should have came back for, what, it was his senior year? 
at Oregon or his junior year? His last year it was, yeah. right? Because there was hype that even before that, he was going to be the top quarterback taken. What does he do? He comes back. Now, I'm not going to make excuses for Justin Herbert, but the, the guys that he played with, the wide receivers, they weren't all that great, right? So what kind of put me over the top for Justin Herbert and why I said I thought he was going to win you know, Offensive Player of the Year as a rookie was because I watched that Wisconsin game. I watched a guy who had zero wide receivers to throw to. I watched a guy take on one of the best defenses in the entire country in the Wisconsin Badgers, and he said, you know what? Screw it. If I can't throw a touchdown pass, I'm going to run for it. Ran for three touchdowns. Beat the Wisconsin Badgers. Put up 28 points against them. I'm like, that guy right there, that that wasn't a pretty win, right? I think he was like 14 to 20, uh, 100-something yards in an interception. Wasn't that good. But at the end of the day, you still won the ball game because you found a way to do it. That's why I've been so critical about Justin Fields. Because in the big games that I've watched you play, when you played, uh, was it Oklahoma last year or Clemson last year? Uh, I would have been, been Clemson, Clemson last year. Last year. Yeah. You threw a couple picks, bad throws. When you played Indiana, you know, the, the biggest game maybe of the Big Ten for your season, you didn't look that good. The Big Ten championship game, you didn't look that good. To me, that's the difference. When the spotlight's on you, when all eyes on you, and when your teammates are turning for you to win the big game, what can you do? Can you go out there and can you perform? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. This was a wild weekend in Jacksonville because of the field stuff. You know me. I've been on fields. Now, I've got to admit here. I didn't think the Jets losing was even a plausible option. Not just this week. I didn't think they were going to lose. Once once that Raiders game went, like I had Trevor Lawrence wasn't even on my radar. He really wasn't. But I, I will tell you this in my own world this weekend, we're putting together a show for Sunday night. Yeah. And one of the uh, stories in our show Sunday night last night, talking about the quarterback situation. This was before the Jets won. Mm-hmm. And. You know, we do all our Jag stuff. We're going to talk college football Final Four. But one of them is, what would you trade for Trevor Lawrence? And it, I've never really thought that way because I think you got two good quarterbacks, and I don't think it's worth the trade stuff. And I think both these – my view on it all along was that Trevor Fields, maybe even in the whole process, will close the gap on the way people feel uh, about Trevor Lawrence versus Fields. Yeah. Well, coming off that performance Saturday, and now that's six games and two performances where you really are left scratching your head this year – you, you get concerned. And I, I mean, I, that was a concerning performance to me against Northwestern. And, and I also say you don't want to put too much into one game, but that's now two games. And it's really like two out of the last three games. And it's not even the way he's throwing the football. It's what he looks like. Mm-hmm. He looks uncomfortable. Looks like he's afraid to make a mistake. So one of the sh- titles of our show is like, what would you give up to get Trevor Lawrence? Like that starts <laughs> entering my mind. Like, yeah. what would you give up? Because you can't screw this up. You want to get the best option. And so I, I, I was ready to go that way. And so that's how much changed in the last. So I think you couple yesterday's Jets win with the feel of what Fields looked like, not just yesterday, twice in the last few weeks. And you see the separate. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence looked the best he's looked all year. Mm -hmm. He was terrific. Yeah. And so all of that goes together. It's like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I'm like legit excited, like legit excited that I don't have to try to convince myself and everybody else that Fields is the guy, at least for a week. Might have to do that again in a week. But we'll I might see. also start watching Zach Wilson tonight a little closer well, if I got to do that. No, and listen, all I'm saying is like, and I was right with you. After that Ohio State game, and listen, and I've been kind of saying the whole same thing about Justin Fields. Like, listen, I understand if the Jaguars take him a number two. I definitely get it. But that's not to say if they would have got Justin Fields a number two, like, I wouldn't have, like, that Chrissy Teigen gift from just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I right? still because think he's going to be good. I do. And he very well might be. But I think it's very telling in that Northwestern game, when you're in the second half, the game's on the line, and Ryan Day goes, you know what? 
we're going to put the ball in somebody else's yeah. hands. And by the way, he had to be like convinced. Like the, everybody had to talk Ryan Day into doing that. He wants to throw. Yeah. And they finally were just like, forget hey, it. We're not even going to yeah, throw. Yeah, just give the Trey Sermon, who obviously had a monster day in his own right. But like that's the difference between uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields to me. Because when the game's on the line, and I get you have Travis Etienne, one of the best backs in the country. But when the game's on the line, I have a hard time seeing Dabble go, you know what? Let's, uh, let's put it in ETN's hands. No, man, you put it in Trevor Lawrence's hands. Yeah. He's the general. He's the captain. Let him do his thing. I do want to make sure you know, though, like on December 21st, I'm not off the field's train completely. I think he is going to be a good player in the NFL. And I have to couch that just in case the Jags win a game in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like coming off this weekend, I'm like, oh, my, the separation is as much as people think it is. Like, yeah. this, it just looks a lot different. I mean, everything adds up to Trevor Lawrence just being a way better prospect than Justin Fields. And I think experience plays a big role. Justin Fields has played in 32 games, but keep... Keep in mind, I mean, he hardly he just, he hardly played for Georgia. Twelve of those games he played in, yeah. but he really did. It wasn't his team. He's played in 20 collegiate games versus 39 for Trevor Lawrence. I think experience wins the day. What are the chances the Jags win against Chicago or Indy and really screw this up? <laughs> I almost had to use the drop button there. Easy. We'll be back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, I, I, I feel a sense of responsibility. I've always taken a lot of pride in, in being able to get a football team to play well as a team that, you know, people can be proud of. And, you know, I think when people start talking about that and they know it's, that, it's, that you're not obviously performing to the level that you want to perform to. Myself, personally, I, it's very difficult for me to manage a team and to really read about what what goes on or what people say or anything like that so I really don't but I'm not I'm not an idiot either I, I understand that there's talk out there I just think you know the way today's world is I, you know everyone's going to have their opinions everyone's going to write what they want to write and, and they're free to do it that's why it's such a great country I tell you, I want to talk a little more about Dr. Ron a little bit later on I think he's handling this again I don't I genuinely don't believe a lot of coaches would would answer these questions mm. I think they would be like really pissy about it like and, and Doug I've said this countless times before. I believe he has a good sense of the fan for a couple of reasons. I think he's got a couple of kids that are like high school and one of his son's in high school. Yeah. He hears and sees everything going on. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. His kids probably ask him the same question to some degree uh, with a sensitivity that his dad obviously is not winning a lot of football games. So a little bit different sensitivity than the fans. But I'm telling you, man, he's a huge, huge Yankees fan. If, if that guy has thrown a remote at the TV before because of the Yankees. Yeah. And Which is very I've disappointing never seen to hear. a coach, because they're so PC all the time, mm. never seen a guy kind of be at least admittedly and vocally in tune with what is going on on the outside. And I appreciate that about Doug. I mean, I really do. I, I think especially here, I think uh, in this spot. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about that as we go along, because you have to hear some of the things. He was asked like five questions about it mm -hmm. sooner or later. I mean, can, seriously, can you imagine like even Harbaugh or Belichick? Or, or even I don't even think it takes one of those guys. I think other people would have been like, all right, enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and he wasn't, and so and he even took some responsibility for it, which I guess it is on them a little bit. We're asking the question because they're one thirteen. Listen, uh, I think it's, and you make a great point here. I think it's a testament, and let's be honest, in, in terms of Doug Marone as a head coach here, it's not working out, right? We, we can all agree on that. The record reflects that. But in terms of Doug Marone of, like you said, kind of understanding how the outside of the bubble whole thing works and he brings that to his team, like, I think we saw that even, you know, when, when it was like, uh, you know, like the racial 
injustice stuff that was going on. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, that seems like so long ago, but it was during this year. But like, who was the first team to actually, you know, march as a team to actually get everybody under one roof marching as a team? That was the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sure that was spearheaded by Doug Marone. So I think it's actually a compliment to Coach Marone for the fact that he is in tune with the outside world. Now, those can't be distractions. No, no. You, I, you can't let it affect your team. Well. But I think it is a kind of a testament to what he brings to the table. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about Doug in just a little bit. Uh, let's get Saqib in uh, before we hit the top of the hour. Saqib, are you a happy guy here on a Monday? I'm very, very – first of all, I want to thank the – I was the biggest Jets fan in the United States. The fireman Ed had nothing to do with – I mean, I was the biggest Jets fan in the world. And I just want to thank Frank Gore for catching that <laughs> – for the first down, I think he should be a Hall of Famer, and he will be a Hall of Famer one day, five years. But can you guys answer this? Because I'm really scared right now, and I'm going to tell you why I'm really scared right now. I am afraid that this guy might do what Eli Manning did and not come to Jacksonville, and that we have to go through that embarrassment and trading him or trading the pick to somebody else. Could you guys just put me in ease a little bit? Because I'm kind of scared about that prospect. So, Keith, thanks for – listen, people have brought that up. Reassurance, New York City fans especially are – listen, New York City, it's an unbelievable city. Uh, I get it. But I think – It's cold. We might have more people retired here that that played professional ball than they have in New York City. So that will tell you that people like Jacksonville too. It's cold there. Pontevedra, everywhere else. Can you imagine snow right now? You just – Imagine snow. You just made me more nervous because Trevor's like, what, 21? Not a retired – Well, I know, but they come back here is my point. He's not going to be a fashion designer. He's going to play (laughs) for the New York Jets if he was going to go there. Come on. The bottom line, this is a silly topic in my opinion. Yes, it happened with Eli Manning, and and it happened with Phillip Rivers and that whole deal, right? It was really Eli Manning. But Mm -hmm. this is not happening, Saqib. In fact, James Wade just tweeted us, said Adam Schefter had Trevor on his pod today and basically said he's coming out and doesn't care where he goes. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the listen. This happens every year. Every Joe Burrow was questioned about it last year, right? Yeah. And he's an Ohio guy. They still questioned it. Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville if the Jags have the number one pick and pick. I, I don't. There's no doubt in my mind. I think yeah. it's a. I, I appreciate the thought, and I understand every Jags fan's nervous about everything. But Saqib, don't worry about it, man. Have a good Christmas. That yeah. is not. You should be more concerned about the Jags beating Chicago or Indy than you should be at that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as the hierarchy of things you should worry about as a Jaguars fan, that should come at the very bottom. Like, there's no way, in my opinion, that Trevor Lawrence would hold out for another team. There's no way. I mean, I, I want to entertain the idea because I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I just don't. It just. It's not a common thing. Like, that was an exception, not the rule. Well, and it also helps, too, because guess what? you got a new GM coming in. You have a new head coach Absolutely. coming in. It's like the Eli situation where he didn't like the setup that was at, you know, San Diego at the time. Here the setup's going to be whatever works for him. More Trevor talking to Trevor Town next on ESPN 690.